Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Oshvin, I've got Brian on the phone with me, and on today's episode, as we continue Remake May, we'll be discussing the 2003 horror film The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Marcus Nespel, starring Jessica Biel, Jonathan Tucker, Erica Learson, and Mike Vogel. And this is a story of a group of young adults who stumble across a murderous family in Texas. And Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but this one would be a remake, not a reboot, right? Hmm. I don't know. I, I can't remember what they called it. <laughs> I think a remake. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember seeing a. Like this doesn't assume that the first ones happened, right? Yeah, and I don't even know if that definition I gave in the last episode was even accurate, like assuming the first one had happened. I'm still confused about a remake versus a reboot. Oh, okay. I think the Evil Dead, uh, we tied it together because it was that car in the first one that was in the remake, or in the reboot. Yeah, yeah um, but we we may have been wrong about what qualified it as a reboot. Oh, okay. You didn't see any similar cars in this one? Uh, no, I didn't see it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it takes place in the same time period. It's yeah. the same story happening pretty much. So yeah, I think yeah. it's safe to call it a remake. Cool. All right. Yeah. And, uh, I was looking back, I, I know we did, uh, the original one maybe last year at some point. And I, I know, did, did we both like, it? I remember I had a really good, uh, viewing experience of it. Did you like that one? Yeah, we both liked it a lot. Cool. And, uh, what do you, what do you like remember liking from the first one? I just feel like it was so dirty and gritty and yeah, bleak that it was just like, something to be in awe of like it was just yeah it's kind of a standalone movie it's just not like anything else i've ever seen yeah they, they felt like really authentic and uh yeah i think very minimalist too and then yeah it was really gritty and, and dirty uh a lot of that was because like the production of, of the first one i think was pretty like low budget and like they're pretty intense conditions right yeah i think so yeah uh so yeah i was, I was curious how this one would play out then when, when you're trying to remake and bring that effect back um I think I think this one had some overlap with the first one in terms of the people involved with it. Did you read anything about that? Yeah, I mean, um, Daniel Pearl was the cinematographer for the first one. I think that was his first movie, um, right. and he returned for this one. And then yeah. Toby Hooper was a producer, and Kim Henkel, who wrote the first one with Toby Hooper, returned too as a producer. Oh, uh, no kidding. I, I saw their names, but I, I didn't see them actually involved in any of the... Um, making of it so that that's cool they were on as producers yeah and that, i mean sometimes producer the producer role can just kind of be a a, a, nod. a uh, nod but yeah yeah that makes sense at the very least it tends to show their endorsement i suppose yeah yeah that's cool uh yeah it seems like they were involved uh in this and then uh this was the first uh film to be produced by michael bay's production company platinum dunes um and I think they later went on to do like Purge and Ouija and Friday the 13th remake. Um, why is Michael Bay uh, creating a production company for horror films? I don't know. Why not? I guess. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, this reminds me of like how uh, I think earlier you had talked about like how action and horror might be overlapping. So maybe this was the start of it. Yeah. And they did uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles under the Platinum Dunes banner too. <laughs> I know. That's the one like kind of outstanding one. When you look yeah. at that whole list of movies they've done. <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah this kicked off the uh the remake craze of the 2000s and most of yeah. them from platinum dunes after this they did the amityville horror in 2005 the hitcher in 07 friday the 13th in 09 and a nightmare on elm street in 2010 damn yeah yeah they only ran with uh, that concept um yeah. and and this fell to the the director i know this was his first film he did one of those uh remakes right yeah, he did Friday the 13th. And then the writer, Scott Kozar, did. He wrote the script for the Amityville Horror remake yeah. and the Crazies remake, which was not a Platinum Dunes production, but another oh. another 2000s remake. Yeah, damn. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of people talk about how successful this film was. So maybe like a lot of the remakes that we saw coming after this uh, was directly impacted by the, the success of this film. Yeah, I think so. It had a budget of nine point five million and a box office of a uh, hundred and seven million. So, yeah, yeah, I think it kind of kickstarted this whole thing. Yeah, right. For better or worse, because uh, have you seen a lot of those remakes? Um, you know, I saw the Amityville Horror remake. I actually liked that better than the original. Oh, okay. 
And um, I have seen A Nightmare on Elm Street, and that is abysmal. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Amityville one, that's uh, Ryan Reynolds, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I remember liking that one, too. Not, not a yeah. bad remake. Yeah. It's a pretty big uh, cultural uh, influence in the, these guys in this film. Um, yeah, and then I, uh, speaking of cultural influence, I read an article on Bloody Disgusting by Megan Navarro, and she kind of posited that the extreme horror trend in the aughts, um, that this kind of kicked it off before Saw or Hostel. Oh, really? That's yeah. uh, interesting, because this one isn't, like, as gory, though, is it? It is and it isn't, and there it would have been, for sure, if there hadn't been some cuts to some, some yeah. crucial scenes. But it's still pretty gory. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting, because I was reading, and um, I think you only see two people actually get, like, killed by the chainsaw in this film, which yeah. is weird. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's, I guess, like, a torture uh, chamber of sorts and uh, impaling going on, but... Yeah, I and mean, the first death is actually the the goriest, I think. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. There were a few parts where I had to look away, definitely. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that that's that's pretty cool. And uh, so some overlap, I guess, with the original one. Uh, story similarly, I think, is inspired by this guy named Ed Gein from Wisconsin. Do you know much about his killing spree or what what he did? I don't. I've kind of stayed away from the whole uh, true crime serial killer craze of the this time period like i'm just not yeah. that into learning about them yeah yeah same <laughs> i think it's ed gain but maybe i'm wrong oh okay yeah it could be ed gain um i think uh I don't, yeah, I don't know what his kill count or anything was but i think one of the things was that he would cut off the face of people and make these masks which is kind of what the character in this one does yeah yeah so loosely based on him yeah um but speaking of that character, Leatherface, who's very famous from this franchise, um, do you feel like he gets the same amount of respect and uh, fame that like Mike Myers, Jason, or Freddy Krueger does? I don't think he does. I mean, in horror circles he does, but he's not quite as much of a pop culture phenomenon as those other big three. Yeah. Do you know, like, I mean, why do you think that is? I don't know, man. I mean, it... Um, for all the big franchises, Texas Chainsaw, it, it made a lot of money, but didn't, I saw somewhere like eight of those big franchises listed, like Scream, Chucky, um, Psycho slash Hannibal type stuff. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, it was like seventh in those eight in terms of how much money it made. Yeah. And it just has less pop culture appeal. Like that first movie is just so gritty and violent and disturbing and then if you think back to the first nightmare on elm street friday the 13th halloween they're all kind of fun and a lot easier to watch yeah that's true Uh, a lot more fun i also think in those first movies um like the the first ones in the series of those franchises they go a little bit more into the backstory of mike myers like you have people talking about who he is or he came where he came from uh jason obviously the first one he's not even in it's his mother and, and I'm assuming Nightmare on Elm Street, it's been a while since I've seen it. But uh, I, I feel like each of those, they kind of give a lot more about the character. Whereas like Texas Chainsaw, I, I don't feel like they ever really go into who Leatherface is or why he's like that, do they? Um, I don't know. I, couldn't, I can't speak to it because I've only seen the first, the original. Yeah, yeah. But I know this is the only one you see his face in, I believe. Right, yeah. I know, that, that's kind of weird. Um, yeah. But, I mean, even for, like, the first film, uh, like, with those other franchises, I feel like the first film in those franchises do give those characters a bit more of a background compared to what this one does in their first film, right? Right, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that, yeah, I wonder, because it's, it's actually a pretty cool mask, and uh, I don't know, I could see that being really popular for, like, Halloween or something. Right, right. Yeah, it's just, I mean, Texas Chainsaw isn't the type of movie you watch as a kid and your parents are like, oh, it's fine, and you sit there and eat popcorn and watch it. Like, yeah, Halloween, yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, sure, and Friday the 13th, why not? But this one's just a little, yeah, a little more grown up. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep, less less mainstream. Yeah. A little dark around the edges. Um, hey, I, I know we watched uh, House of a Thousand Corpses recently. Uh, watching this again, or I guess watching this now, uh, I saw a lot of similarities between like the setup and the concept uh, between what we saw in, in that film. You notice right. anything there? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, House of a Thousand Corpses, I feel like 
Rob Zombie wouldn't hesitate to admit was very much an homage to movies like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think I think that came out the same year as this. Oh, like two thousand three. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Within the it was either like two thousand one, two or three. I think it was three. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this has become like a really popular uh, storyline, like a group of young adults, teenagers lost in somewhere rural, getting attacked by uh, rural folk. Right. Yeah. Hey, do you rural think? Folk. Yeah, yeah. Do you think uh, there is? Um, do you think like this kind of movie puts down uh, people in rural areas? Like, should people be offended by this? Um, I think it does. I think the this whole subgenre of hillbilly horror is kind of. Yeah, uh, it, it's based on that that like fear of of country folk. Yeah, the Southerners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if if Southerners would be offended by this, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's almost like I I'm not sure if this type of film like today in in the context, even though like that divide still remains between like city people, uh, non city people. Uh, I, I almost think like at the, this could be considered offensive at some point. Right. And it's interesting because it's like city versus country, but it's also kind of north versus south. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There's that feeling of north versus south. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Any other uh, background you wanted to call out? Um, we should probably call out the eight movies in the franchise. Yeah. <laughs> Is that how many there are? There's eight. Yeah. Damn. So it was That's... this, or no, the original in 74. The original is the only one to spell chainsaw with two separate words. Oh, wow. Which is incorrect, I believe, grammatically. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was in 86. Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 was in 1990. The Texas mm-hmm. Chainsaw Massacre, the Next Generation was in 95. Tex- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003. That's what we're discussing right now. Yep. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new beginning, or no, just the beginning from 2006 yeah and then as kind of an alternate series to these those past few three i read i guess um or no the last two uh texas chainsaw 3d in 2013 and leatherface in 2017 oh interesting which was kind of their own little thing too yeah like a spinoff or something i think like texas chainsaw 3d was meant to be a sequel to the original movie oh really okay yeah uh, and you, you've only seen uh, these two, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and Fede Alvarez is set to produce a new one. Oh, the guy from um, Evil Dead? Yeah. No way. That's crazy. Yeah. He won't be directing, but he's supposedly a producer. But who knows yeah. these days with movies, what's going to happen? Yeah, I know. It's all kind of up in the air. Um, but that, that's wild. Uh, I, I can't believe this movie or this franchise uh, has so many movies in it. Um, and yeah, I feel like probably a lot of people haven't seen most of those. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely seems to be a less buzzed about franchise as a whole. Like, yeah, you'll hear see people on horror Twitter talking about every single installment of the Halloween, Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street franchises, but you don't really hear much talk about some of these. Yeah. These movies. Like, I was surprised to realize there were eight. I know. I know. Yeah. And, and yesterday when I went to watch it, I, I, I to message you because I wasn't sure which uh, remake we were talking <laughs> yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. And then uh, why is this one, like this one's obviously very successful at the box office level. Um, why can't you find it like really readily available on streaming services? It's like you either have to buy it or you got to like rent it from Walmart, which is really weird. Yeah. Why, we had to rent it from Voodoo. Yeah. That's so weird, right? Yeah, I don't know. Or was it was it Voodoo? Is that where it was? It's Voodoo, and uh, Voodoo, I guess, is uh, Walmart streaming services. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't on Apple or Amazon. But yeah, this yeah. was the uh, this made the most money of all of them at the box office. Yeah, yeah, you think it'd be more widely available? Yeah, I but, don't know. Uh, yeah, something weird going on there. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's cool cool to find a new streaming service. Uh, and it, it was pretty cheap. I think it was like three bucks or something. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Um, um, should I move on to the Ohio connection? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. From our dear friend in Ohio and Alex, he says, The soundtrack for this movie featured the song 43 by Mushroom Head, which is a heavy metal band from Cleveland, Ohio. The track was originally a part of their eponymous... Wait, eponymous? <laughs> I can never <laughs> pronounce that word. 
I, I never say that one out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I just say <laughs> Eponymous debut album. It's an album with the same name as the band. In yeah. 1995, this record is noteworthy as it is remembered for its use of movie clips throughout the progression of the album. Featured clips include Pet Cemetery, The Silence of the Lambs, Stand By Me, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 74. I believe ah. that's what they call full circle, he says. <laughs> He's always got to add those layers. I know. <laughs> so complex with these uh, Tyvex. Yeah, just to uh, show me up. I know. Damn, I, I didn't realize uh, Mushroom uh, Head was from Cleveland. Yeah, I don't think I knew that either, but I don't really, I don't think I even know a single Mushroom Head song, so. I don't either, but I feel like that they're, they're like pretty popular, at least from a, from their name, right? Yeah, I feel like I hear the name a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, they're probably like a heavy metal thing, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a heavy metal thing. <laughs> yeah. You sound Just, like a middle-aged Midwestern mom. Yeah. Oh, they're one of those they're, heavy metal things. <laughs> with their guitars and probably some masks or something. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> their masks uh, are just big old mushrooms. Yeah, that's what I figured. Like the ones from uh, Mario or something. Yeah. Uh, cool, man. Ah, thanks, Alex. That's, that's a good connection. Yeah, so thank you, Alex. And anybody in the Cleveland area can uh, drive up to a Jukebox bar and restaurant and pick up some beer or wine to go. Jukeboxcle.com to order that. Yeah, and you can, uh, I think I've got a gift card coming your way, Brian. Oh, Is really? It? Thanks, man. Uh, actually, it'll probably be a few months. I just remembered your birthday's not for later, so <laughs> uh, just try to forget about that for the next six months. <laughs> yeah, I think I bought myself one. I think I need to buy some more people one. Oh, yeah, I bought myself one, too, and I just wrote a happy birthday, but I figured I'd give that to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, you're so alone, love, yes. <laughs> slash hate, you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite card. <laughs> uh, cool. What? Anything else? Nope, let's talk about the plot, man. Cool. All right, yeah, we'll get into the plot. Uh, we'll spoil the plot. We'll go into our reviews. Uh, but before we do that, do you mind if we take a quick break? I need to run to the store really quick. Okay, cool. All right, cool. I'll be right back. Hey, Brian, I'm back. Yeah. Yeah, I t- I ran out of saran wrap, and I've got like some dead bodies around here that I just need to wrap up and, and get rid of. I think I've been making too many sandwiches uh, for for lunch. So <laughs> you've <laughs> always first step of having a household is keep your sandwich saran wrap separate from your dead body <laughs> saran wrap. I know rookie mistake. I thought <laughs> I thought I could use aluminum foil for the bodies, but it's not the same. <laughs> you like. Pull, pull your sandwich out of your bag at your cubicle, and you're like, this isn't a sandwich. <laughs> Damn, I mixed it up again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so embarrassing. Awkward moment yeah. at the office. Womp womp. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this movie kicks off uh, with a flash forward, I guess. So this whole movie takes place in 1974, but it starts off with uh, a scene that happens after the whole movie, which is these police, uh, or these investigators uh, investigating the crime scene and kind of narrating it um, and talking about what they're finding in there. And one of the things that we're told off the bat is that five teens uh, died here recently. And then uh, the movie jumps back to the beginning of the events. Um, did you like this lead-in? You know, I didn't feel that it was necessary, but it didn't. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of like the wraparound, uh, and it comes back at the end. Yeah. But yeah, it, it did feel very necessary. But one thing it does is it, it tells you that, like, five kids are going to die, or five people are going to die, and then uh, when we jump into the film, there are five people. So you kind of assume everyone that you know is going to die, right? I didn't do that math, so good catch. Oh, yeah. That, that was that was kind of the assumption I had going into it. Right. Um. But yeah, let's we'll see if that happens. Uh, so then, similar to the original, we're introduced to these five uh, young adults who are driving across the country in this conversion van um, in the 70s or whatever. Uh, the main character is Aaron, who's played by Jessica Biel, who... Actually, we forgot to talk about Seventh Heaven at the beginning of this episode. Do you want to talk about that now or later? 
<laughs> we can talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> Notes are coming back to that. Uh, Put a pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> so she's uh, with her boyfriend, Kemper, and they've got uh, two other friends with them. And one of their friends had picked up a hitchhiker like the day before uh, this other woman uh, and they're making out. And there's some lighthearted uh, g- discussion earlier on and dialogue between the characters. Nothing really meaningful here. It felt kind of thin. But basically, they're on their way to like Leonard Skinner concerts and they're coming from Mexico having just bought a bunch of marijuana. Um, did, did you care for any of this opening conversation or dialogue? Well, I did get a little bit invested or appreciate the the backstories that we're developing here and the character relationships and conflict because Aaron is upset with Kemper that he bought a whole bunch of weed intending yeah. to sell it for a profit. Um, so there's some tension there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, she's upset about that. And like she hints that like she wanted uh, to get proposed to in Mexico. Right, right. Um, so it was kind of like, okay, we're setting up some like emotional payoff up for later. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think at this point you are kind of like focusing in on Aaron as like the main character in a way. Right. Um, yeah. At least, yeah. Uh, so they're driving along this country road. Uh, they come across this, uh, distraught woman who's walking down the street. Um, they pick her up and after she warns them that they're all going to die, she pulls a gun out and, uh, shoots herself in the head. Did you see where she pulled the gun from? In between her legs. I don't know if she had it like strapped to the inside of her thigh or what. Was she like walking like with her legs closed? Like, really but she had a very short skirt, so it was pretty yeah. impressive. I know, I know. How do you get into a car, climb into a van while holding a gun down uh, between your legs? Stuff. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, she she kills herself. So now they've got this dead body in the car. They're freaking out about what to do with it. They decide they need to go uh, report it to the authorities. So they pull over at this diner and they call the sheriff. Uh, but they're told that the sheriff is going to meet them at this mill. So they go to this mill and it's abandoned, uh, except there's like this random like little kid running around. Um, there's a big discussion at this part about what they should do with the body. Half of them think we should just dump it here and get on our way. The others are like, no, we can't just leave a body here. We got to find it. Um, Brian, what, what would you have done? You know, at that point, if like someone told me the sheriff was going to meet me at this old creepy mill and like we had a dead body, someone who had just died by suicide, I'd be like, we got to get the hell out of this town. Oh, yeah. Right. That should be like a warning sign right there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. I didn't understand like the attachment that uh, they had to this body that like I think Aaron and uh, the other woman really wanted to see that the body was taken care of. Whereas like the guys like we just need to leave it here. Um but ultimately, they, uh, I think Kemper, the boyfriend, like sides with his girlfriend and they decide to keep looking for the sheriff. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it seemed like the right thing to do to stay with the body. But yeah, very creepy. You um, think so? Dude, the, the scene after she shoots herself in the head, it's very gory. Oh, um, what do you mean? Like when they pull over on the side of the road? Well, just like the when the girl shoots herself and they have a shot, like the camera zooms like... It like oh. pans out through the hole in her head to like oh, yeah. show the characters' reactions. Yeah, <laughs> and just the whole time they they are regularly showing the back windshield with a hole in it and like blood and brain matter like slowly creeping down it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There are like chunks everywhere. And yeah, you c- I, they're not shy about just like letting you know that the van is just a gory mess. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I guess is what would happen if someone were to shoot themselves in the head. Uh, yeah. And there's like, yeah, there's a huge hole like through her head too. Yeah, yeah. So pretty- I appreciated the uh, the gore here and how yeah. heavy-handed they were with it. And they didn't really let up on the fact that this van was a disaster. Yeah. And I, I think throughout the whole film, uh, it, like that was obviously like a practical effect, right? That, you don't think that was CGI or anything, do you? I think it was practical. This was done by... Uh, Greg Nicotero and the K&B EFX group, so okay, top-notch yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a good call-out. It's a really good gore right here. Um, so, yeah, they're at this mill. Uh, the sheriff hasn't showed up, so then Aaron and her boyfriend uh, wander around, and they find this big plantation house, which I think is the same house, uh, at least from appearance, as in the first, in the original one, right? No. I mean... Oh. The, like story-wise, yeah, that's where Leatherface lives, but it's not the same house. Ah, like not the same design or anything. 
No, no, it's yeah. pretty different, I think. Oh, I really liked uh, how the house looked. It's a cool visual. Yeah, I thought the houses looked good in both movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so at that house, they run into this amputee, uh, and he's like pretty mean to them, and he lets Aaron into the house to use the phone. Uh, while she's on their phone, her boyfriend Kemper, he like wanders into the house for some reason, and we see the first attack scene where Leatherface pops out from behind like a door and bad- uh, badgers him with a, a sledgehammer or something. Uh, what did you think of this? Bludgeons him? Bludgeons? <laughs> Badgers him with a sledgehammer? <laughs> yeah. Just you know, poking like, him? <laughs> Stop yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, just kind of poking him around the family. <laughs> That's such... <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh, yeah, so it, it's pretty, like, matter of fact, like the same, like the, uh, like this same kill is in the first one, but, uh, you can tell that the scene was cut, like... There were a lot of cuts to get the R rating in this, so oh, it, it was a little. It felt a little uneventful, kind of. I don't know. It didn't quite have the uh, the shock value as in the first movie. What did you think? Uh, you know, it was really quick, uh, but I feel like it captured what was really good about the first film in terms of uh, the sheer like um, velocity that this guy brings to the action scenes, like just really loud and heavy and quick, and yeah, and, uh, yeah, and and like a lot of strength behind it. Right. But, uh, yeah, it kind of cuts away pretty quick. You don't really see too much of what happens here. Right. Um, so then uh, she calls the police uh, station or whatever, and she's told that the sheriff's going to come. But meanwhile, back at the mill, uh, the sheriff does show up, and he's this pretty mean dude as well. And he kind of assaults, uh, kind of verbally assaults the rest of the group and makes them wrap up the dead body in saran wrap and put it in his trunk, and then he drives off. Um, Aaron can't find her boyfriend, so she wanders back to the mill, thinking that maybe he went back. Uh, but when she gets there, she sees that the sheriff's already gone, and she kind of freaks out because her boyfriend's not there. So she and one of the other dudes wander back over to the plantation house, and uh, they sneak inside to look for him. But while they're in there, uh, Leatherface pops out again from behind a door with a chainsaw this time, and he starts attacking them. And she runs away, but he chases the guy out uh, into um, uh, a clothesline where like a bunch of sheets are hanging. And uh, infinite sheets, man. <laughs> yeah, I know this goes on forever. Hey, what is this really? Uh, what What is this from? Because uh, this has happened in other films, right? Like the chase scene through the sheets. Yeah, isn't that? Um, I'm sure it has. Michael Myers is hanging out in some sheets um, in the first Halloween, but there's no chase through them oh okay yeah i just feel like this is a very like memorable scene of like a guy with a chainsaw running through um sheets this didn't happen in the original one i don't think so yeah okay um but yeah he uh ends up capturing that guy and cutting his leg off and then he's dragged into the basement as well um so then aaron uh runs back and he's to- put on a clothes on a hook right oh yeah right he's thrown on and impaled on a hook similar to hook. the yeah, similar to the original one, right? Right. Yeah, that's, that's kind of an iconic uh, move there. Uh, so she runs back to her friends, uh, and they're back at the van. She's trying to uh, get it so they can get out of there. But before they can leave, the sheriff comes back, and he kind of roughs them up a bit, and uh, he makes one of the uh, other guys um, kind of replay how the woman in the car shot herself. And in the process of doing that, he kind of like really irritates him and ends up like putting him in the police car and, and uh, beating him up a bit and, and dragging him away. Um, what'd, you, what'd you think of the sheriff? Pretty scary character or, or more kind of annoying? Um, Kind of annoying. He's yeah. uh, it's R. Lee Ermey or Ermey who play, who's in Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yeah. Um, I know him as the coach from Saving Silverman. <laughs> but um, yeah, he didn't... Like, this should have been a tense scene here. He's, like, making the guy put the gun in his mouth and everything, but something yeah. about it just felt like, get on with it to me. Yeah, yeah. It was just, like, there was a lot going on away from the house. Like, right. I just wanted everyone to go to, like, get closer <laughs> to the house and not be with this dude. And I understand that yeah. a lot of the uh, horror in the original movie didn't come from Leatherface. Like, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really care for it. I felt like it was a, a bit of a distraction almost, or an unnecessary detour. How about you? 
Same. It did feel like really like dragged out uh, in terms of like building up the suspense, and you know, like this dude's a bad guy, and it's not going to end well. But uh, yeah, it was the the constant like him yelling at these uh, at these kids. Uh, I, yeah, it was kind of unnecessary. Yeah, and in the first one, or in the original movie, there is a little bit of, or at least for me, like when you met some of the other characters, you didn't know or assume immediately that they were part of the family. Yeah. And that they were bad people. But yep. in this one, it's pretty telegraphed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like everyone you meet in this is like evil. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so even, it really takes some of the suspense away. Yeah. And also with the original one, I don't feel like there were this many characters. Like it, it was mostly we're in the woods, uh, we found this house, and now this guy's killing us all. Um, whereas like this one, they are like throwing in, I feel like they threw in like four or five new characters into this one. Yeah, they did. Uh, there, there was no sheriff in the original one, was there? Um, not that I remember. Yeah, I don't really remember that either. Uh, but yeah, so this scene kind of drags out, but it, it ends up with uh, the sheriff just taking him away in his car and kind of beating him up and taking him uh, off. Um, so now Aaron and the other women are the only ones left in the van, and they're trying to hotwire it so they can get out of there. But then Leatherface shows up and attacks them in the van. Uh, they flee, but her friend gets caught... And we hear her get caught up by the chainsaw. Um, but I think that happens off camera, right? Yeah, that's another one that is just like, how is how did we just see a woman blow a giant hole through her head in blood and brain matter dripping everywhere? Yeah. I saw a guy's leg get cut off and then we don't even see the kill <laughs> here. It's just... Yeah. I, I, the more we the more we watch some of these gory movies, man, I get just upset about the cuts that they make to get the R rating because... yeah. It really just messes with the pacing. Wow. I have like the exact opposite reaction. <laughs> when, they, <laughs> when they don't show it, I'm like, yes. Oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't need to see it. Like, uh, I, I get it. You know, there's, you, you hear it. You see the chainsaw. You can put like two and two together uh, to some degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. It just like, and I'm not saying, you know, some of my favorite horror movies aren't very gory, but this is the type of movie it is, and this is where they're relying on some of the horror to come from. Yeah. And so when they have to cut that out, it really is just a... Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I know that makes sense. It's like a roller coaster ride and you get to the bottom of the hill and you're like, that was a relatively small hill. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be about hills. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Sometimes you just like to sit in that car and, you know, just take a, a ride down a small bump. <laughs> a little bobcat or wildcat or whatever that little baby roller coaster is they always have yeah yeah exactly <laughs> the one for kids <laughs> uh yeah so now now she's it's dead the only one you and i are tall enough to ride <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> that was made for us man uh so uh yeah now now that that woman is dead and it's basically Aaron now so she's running and she runs, uh, she finds a shack with the light on. She goes inside and there's there's two women in there and, and one baby. And they're trying to calm her down and say it's going to be okay. Uh, but then Erin notices that there's a baby there with them. And uh, she kind of figures out that that baby isn't theirs and it was kidnapped uh, from another family. Uh, do you know how she put that together? They. She found a photo that she um. saw... Oh yeah, when they were it like belong to the hitchhiker they picked up at the beginning who shot right. herself. Yeah, yeah, they found a photo that had the hitchhiker and and that baby in it. I guess right. Yeah, yeah. this was such a detraction. I don't understand why this <laughs> sequence was here. Yeah, yeah. That that's what I think. A, a lot is uh, when you compare this to the original. I feel like they added a lot of de uh, detractions here. Yeah, which, uh, I mean the original was just so like laser focused, like to the yeah. to the detriment almost of any character development or anything like exactly. that. And this one, it had it started off like showing the background of these characters and some some tension between um, Aaron and Kemper, and then yeah. it just it didn't go anywhere with that and let yeah. that fizzle and started to go some other random places that were just unnecessary. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I don't know why they chose to make some of these decisions here, but yeah, for some reason there's this other family, uh, which is connected to the main family, but they've kidnapped a baby. Uh, but before she can do anything about it, um, she realizes that she's been drugged. She's been drugged by, uh, the tea that she drank. 
So when she wakes up, she's in the plantation house, and uh, everyone's there. The whole family's together, and uh, Leatherface throws her into the basement, and she sees some of her friends down there. The one that's uh, on the hook, who got uh, on the meat hook. Um, he's in a lot of pain, so she kills him with a knife or like some kind of sword. Um, yeah, he like begs her to put him out of his m- misery. Yeah. Right. And this is just like the dumbest thing because why would that have not been her boyfriend? Like, yeah. Instead, it's a guy we've barely, barely seen her interact with. Like, right. That could have that was a potential for drama. Like, that's a good point. Yeah. And you just they just kind of squandered that opportunity. Yeah, that could have been a lot heavier. Um, I'm thinking they did the boyfriend earlier though because at one point you do see uh, Leatherface wearing uh, the boyfriend's face, right? That's true. Maybe they thought that was where they'd get their their drama. Yeah, yeah but you only see that for like tw- 20 seconds or something. So yeah. Uh, this, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think it would have been a lot more powerful if she had to like kill her boyfriend at that part. Right. Um, but uh, so she kills that guy. And then the uh, her last friend uh, is there, the guy who got taken away by the sheriff. He's in a bathtub. Uh, I think he's probably been pretty beat up or something. And yeah, then, and I... Saw yeah. on Wikipedia that he had a hole in his back from a meat hook. I didn't notice that. Oh yeah, I didn't notice but that. He either. was he was worse for the wear. Yeah. So the two of them uh, escape the house. They're helped by that little kid that we met at the mill earlier on. Which again, I, I feel like that was another unnecessary character they threw into the mix here. Agreed. Um, so then Leatherface uh, chases them around outside. They run into this empty house, and Leatherface comes in there and uh, corners them, but then ends up. Uh, before he can kill Aaron, the friend kind of jumps in and distracts him, and he hangs the fr- friend up from a fan, and I guess he like slices his, uh, he, I guess he slices him like at the waist, and in the uncut version, his intestines come out, right? Yeah, I think he slices him like from between the legs, like up the crotch. Wow. And oh, yeah, man. in the uncut version, his intestines fall out onto the floor. Were you were you wishing you'd seen that? I was, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Again, yeah. it was just, it was so, like, to cut away from that scene immediately and not even show any blood, it's just like, what? <laughs> Suddenly we're watching a different movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> it's not so much a massacre anymore, it's more of a <laughs> implied massacre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A maybe-ker. Yeah, maybe <laughs> Yeah. So uh, she runs out uh, into the road, um, uh, shoots, and then, uh, oh no, actually, so yeah, she runs, and I think at this point, uh, Leatherhouse is still, or Leatherface uh, is still chasing her, um, but he like trips on a wire and ends up like cutting his leg a bit, but it's not, not a big deal, he keeps chasing her. She runs into this uh, meat factory, and uh, or a meat, pan- a meat packing plant, and uh, they're like Leatherface is like hunting her down, and at one point she's hiding like in a body of a cow or something. Did you like the visuals of this whole setting? Uh, yeah, you know the production design in general was really good on this movie. Yeah, yeah, between like the basement and, and this place, I feel like the, yeah, they like created this some... was a polished movie, but they still did their best to give you that like gritty, grimy, need to take a shower feeling with the production design, and I think they did a good job of that. Yeah, 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 especially being like in a meat house. Uh, pretty gross um but uh, yeah at this point I, and i feel like this is where the movie uh turns a little bit uh, i feel like uh, aaron becomes a little bit more uh aggressive and she picks up a butcher knife she hides in a, uh, a locker and she kind of baits uh leatherface into coming to look for her and she attacks him and basically cuts off his arm which how do you do that with a butcher knife uh yeah that was pretty intense <laughs> right <laughs> that seems pretty tough uh, she runs out. So yeah, he's, he's lost an arm. Uh, we think he's like, you know, pretty done. Uh, but she runs out, some truck driver picks her up. And then I think similar to the beginning, she's like kind of warning him, like we got to get out of here, but he's not really heeding to her warning. Yeah. This, this was like kind of a showing like you went full circle or something, right? Yeah. Yep. To that girl in the beginning. Um, and then, uh, they end up back at the diner where the sheriff is there and uh, the woman with her baby's there, and the truck driver goes in to get their help, um, but then uh, Aaron ends up uh, kidnapping the baby that was kidnapped, and then running over the sheriff with a car, and then she escapes, 
And as she's escaping, we see Leatherface pop out and try to get her again with the chainsaw, but it doesn't work because she's in a car. And the, <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that last swipe? Leatherface. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Can't beat a car. <laughs> uh, uh, movie ends with us returning that footage from the beginning where these investigators are going through the basement. And this is kind of silly. Like, I guess they hadn't secured the uh, crime scene because Leatherface pops out and kills them. Yeah, and, that was pretty dumb. Right? <laughs> You're in this basement, like, investigating a crime scene and you haven't, like, checked to see if the killer is still there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, and, and we're just told that Leatherface is still out there on the loose, I guess. And yeah. that's the ending. Anything else you would call out? Uh, I don't think we mentioned that John Larroquette, who did the voiceover, the narration in the first one, did it in this one as well. Right. Uh, it's um, interesting, though. In, in the first one, like, his narration was more about, like, he was, he was, like, on the radio talking about, like, events going on, on around the country, right? Um... There was a radio voiceover like that about what was going on around the country, but then I I thought he did the like intro that was like this is based on a true story. Oh, oh okay, there was a voice. I that's thought, a boy, I already forget. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to go back and see that. Uh, but uh, yeah. One thing I thought was good about that last sequence was that she's hot wiring a car. You assume it's his tr- the sheriff. Oh, no, you yeah. assume it's a truck, mm-hmm. and the sheriff is like creeping up on the truck. Yeah, and then he gets hit by his own car, and you realize she was in his car, hot wiring that. Yeah, they did that trick twice, I think, in this movie, where you think she's in the place that the bad guy's coming up to, like even when she was in that locker, and uh, and uh, Leatherface was like about to open it. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. But she is, yeah. Uh, I, I like that trick though. You kind of think the character is about to be caught, but then you realize they're in a different spot. Smart. Yeah. Good on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Anybody so who's been stuffed into a locker at one point in their lives knows that trick. <laughs> the trick of distraction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so what did you think? Did you like this movie? What, what do you think worked and didn't work? You know, I think we've kind of talked about some of my biggest complaints. It's just the the detours that it takes when the first movie was just so focused. Um, yeah. I think it's just... They just serve as distractions, and then it bugged me that they set up the characters with an actual backstory and took the time to do that, which was an improvement from the first one, and then they yeah. just didn't really follow through on it. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought, I thought like, the lack of character in the first one, uh, it, it didn't, like, strike me as, like, a huge issue because, like, it was such a, like, a thin premise before, like, you dive into, like, this crazy, like, uh, you know, uh, manhunt, basically, or, like, a slaughter fest. Uh, but yeah, this one, it felt a little annoying because like there is like some semblance of like a cheesy storyline up front, uh, but then that goes nowhere. So I right. kind of feel like that's worse. And they try to allude to like that Leatherface had a skin disease and was bullied as a kid. Oh. I don't really feel like we needed that background. Yeah. I think yeah. it just makes it more scary if you don't know why. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was also really scary about the first one. It was just like no uh, methodology or like uh, story behind it or anything. It's yeah. just random. Uh, why do you think? Did Did you like the fact that they even showed his face in this one? Um, it was a well done makeup effect on his face, but I don't think we needed to see it. What about you? Yeah, same. It was only there for like five seconds. It's not like they were gonna. They They did like something meaningful with it. So it it didn't feel like it needed to be there. Yeah. Um, And I also just feel like they they missed a little bit about what was scary in the first one. Like that whole third act with, uh, what's her name, Sally? Yeah. Sitting at the table with the family. Like (laughs) it was so tense and you just knew something horrible was going to happen. And and we didn't really have that in this. Aside from that, I feel like that's almost what that, sheriff scene was trying to be like but yeah um yeah i just didn't i didn't get the same vibes from the first one i mean it's impossible but yeah they didn't really even chase what made that one scary to me yeah i feel like there was so much unique about the first one it's hard to recreate that in the first place Um, it is yeah it's a tough tough movie to to remake yeah it really is um but then uh, I, the, the other thing, like, yeah, when we're talking about that third act and, like, her sitting at that dinner table, uh, that, that was, like, a pretty messed up scene and that grandpa coming down. And then I think in the third one, we know they're all cannibals. In this one, they never really uh, come out and say if they are cannibals. I don't think, 
uh, we're led to believe they are, are they? No, there's nothing about that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is really weird. They, like, kind of plugged in some other random plot points and, like, other storylines or whatever with, like, the kidnapped baby and uh, whatever was going on with the sheriff. But, uh, yeah, they, they, get, they got rid of, like, some of the stuff that really uh, made the first one really weird and scary. Yeah. It's kind of tough. Yeah. But I, I think there's good, um, like, the production de- design was good and the acting was good. Like, it was a well-made movie. Yeah. Um, and a solid effort, but I just don't think they don't think they nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I thought they did really great uh, work though with the action scenes and like just uh, maybe this goes to your point about production, but like how that chainsaw, like the noise and how it comes, and then in those attack scenes, even like the camera work where as he's chasing people, like the camera's like kind of uh, moving around a lot and it's pretty shaky. Um, I I think they captured like some of the violence uh, for the action, similar to the first one. In a way. Yeah, the cinematography was good. Yeah, very different than the first one, but but still very good. Yeah, surprisingly different than the first one. Even though it was like the same guy, but uh, yeah, I feel like he made it different, but still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, thirty years later. Yeah, I know, still at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a bad movie. It's just not great either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, which I feel like is a, probably the way a lot of these remakes ended up uh, landing. It's just being like pretty uh, more, more there for like box office success than like trying to amaze anyone or recreate like reinvent something amazing. Yeah, but boy, Nightmare on Elm Street. That one's really bad. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, what do you think of the acting overall? I thought it was good. Yes, yeah, so some of the guys uh, that that she was with, they could, I, th- I thought their acting wasn't that great. Uh, I don't know. They all kind of, like, none of them are really from anything, are they? Except um, Seventh Heaven, obviously. I recognized a bunch of, like, Eric Balfour, who plays Kemper, I recognized from the OC. Yeah. Um, and then Mike Vogel was Clover from Cloverfield. Oh, who's in Cloverfield? Um, I think he was just one of the people. <laughs> I can't remember the specific characters, but I oh, think okay. he was, like, one of the main cast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and then the dude who had the gun in his mouth, I recognized him from a show that was, I think, on NBC called The Black Donnellys. Yeah. Back in 2007. Do you remember that? No, I don't think I ever heard of that. It was kind of a, mo- a show about Irish organized crime. Oh, cool. In New York. And it was I really loved it. And he was the lead in that. Oh, okay. I liked cool. him. I thought he did a good job in this, actually. Uh, which one was he? He was the dude that the sheriff was antagonizing. Oh, Morgan. Okay. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. A lot of like TV background. Then even Jessica Biel, I think, uh, it was mostly Seventh Heaven at this point. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't think any of the cast like really stuck out to me. Though I think Jess- Jessica Biel did a pretty good job. Uh, it's like as the main uh, character here. Yeah, and the sheriff. Uh, Leah Ermey did a, I mean, he did a great job too. I just I didn't yeah. care for that character as a whole. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, so how many of your friends impaled on hooks would you give this one? <laughs> Can I choose which friends? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I'd give it a 2.5 friends okay. impaled. Uh, yeah. How about you? Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm at three. I think it was, it was a fun watch, but uh, yeah, it doesn't really compare to the uh, original and uh, yeah, some some of the stuff you mentioned around t- a little heavy, heavier than it needed to be story wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, shout out to Glenn Lewis who recommended this on our Facebook page when he saw we were doing a month of remakes. This was on our radar, but I think yeah. maybe that helped push it over the edge. Yeah, I was I was really excited to see this one. I really liked uh, the original, um, but yeah, it's so hard to live up to that. Yeah, I'm still glad I, I saw it. I'm not down on it, but just just didn't love it. Would you check out any of the other ones in the franchise? Yeah, for sure. I really want to watch the second film from, what, 85 or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool um, to see. 86, Texas Chainsaw 2. I want to do that in our sequel, sequel September. September. we do that again this year. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Got to do it. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, anything else? Uh, that's it. Cool. 
All right, everyone, that's our discussion on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 2003. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We're going to be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We're also on Discord, so you can join us there and chat with some other listeners and other horror fans. Um, we also have a Patreon page in case you want to throw some change our way. You can find us at patreon.com slash horror movie club. Our logo is by MMA Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. Our Ohio connection is brought by Alex Budin from Jukebox, so check that out in Cleveland. And until next time, if you're headed down south uh, to catch a Leonard Skinner show, uh, stick to the major highways and avoid those country roads. 